Welcome to the RVA Returners Podcast, your weekly source for all things Final Fantasy TCG. Yeah, it turns out Fina's like the best new addition to that deck, like straight up. Oh, I mean easily. Like, well, I'm pretty sure when they first showed the card, I initially was like, that seems really stupid with Valifor. Like, yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think that was literally absolutely. the first thing I said about the card. Mm-hmm. If I remember right. Oh, yeah, same, the same thing Rob and JFB said too. They're like, yeah, that's definitely in there. Yeah. But dude, not only that, man. I'm, I just, I, I'm still staring at that slide. That's much needed. That is much, much needed information. And uh, Adam, speaking of much needed information, we're back for the next episode of the RVA Returners Podcast. Friends, we're here. It's Sunday. We're ready to dive in. Adam, we got a lot to talk about today. But before, you know, I'm getting so ahead of myself with so much stuff. I'm your host, Chris Adams. With me as always, Adam Lane. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Yeah. No two takes this time. We're, we are one shot in it today. Um, so, Adam, a lot's been going on this week. There's a, there's a lot happening. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite a bit. Last week was pretty heavy, too, on new stuff. Yeah. But it's starting to pick up. I mean, the competitive season's like full swing. Uh, Opus Nine is like kind of pe- rearing its head, so mm-hmm. yeah. Because what we got, we got a vi- we got you know LQ events to talk about. We've got you know we just had a Crystal Cup finished over in the UK. Um, well, not in the UK. It was over in uh, I believe this one was in Milan, but we'll get to that. Um, you know, we got spoilers. We've got just some news about the upcoming sets, um, and we got a really fun topic we're going to cover. But you know what, Adam? We're just gonna go to the to the source, you know. Get get out your fedora with the word press sticking out of it. Call Jimmy Olsen, Superman's pal, because we're going to one place and one place only. Do you know where that is? Uh, you're gonna tell me. Oh, I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> Here's what it is. I'm gonna tell you. It's the news. So first piece of news, um, if you saw this week, we've expanded our ranks one more time. We have added John Schreiner to the RVA Returners. Uh, obviously, he's been a big fan of the boys. We got to meet him back last year at the Boston Crystal Cup. Um, been fast friends ever since. You know, We really brought him on board, A, because he's a fantastic player, B, a fantastic human being to associate with, and C, he's really going to ramp up our article game on the website. So, uh, Adam, you can talk a little bit more about that. Just kind of, you know, the struggles with the website. Like, we've got it, but we haven't really been maximizing, you know, its potential. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of work. Um, I have definitely neglected it a little bit. It, it just became, like, kind of on the back burner because, like, between YouTube and Facebook and running that, which is primarily me, um, it became hard to also run the website which is then becomes hard to like keep articles. So we've just kind of been doing the Cactar Correspondent, and then Austin's been doing his Friday, uh, you know, fan fan made card stuff for a few weeks now. But we haven't really been updating any other pages, um, and so and it might also not look the best. So uh, you know, I think John's going to come in and help with that for sure. Um, but for first and foremost, for sure, he's also going to be a player. Um, and oh, then and then yeah, like uh, I'm sure he's going to start writing some articles. I know that's a big thing that he likes to do. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's probably a 50 times better writer than I am, so. Oh, dude, absolutely. He, uh, he definitely has a knack for it. You know, if you've seen his articles over on EXP+, um, you know, I know I've said it before. I have a tendency to write how I speak, which 
is fine if you're talking to somebody, but if you're trying to read it, nah, forget about it. That's just, it's just not good read. So I think, I think he's a great addition. You know, I, I, he brings a, a different perspective because obviously, you know, he's a, you know, lifelong TCG player. So he has, he has the mindset for, you know, this style of game. And, you know, some of his card evaluation, you know, differs from ours, but it's always from a great angle. And it gives us just a new new set of eyes to look at things with. So we're excited to have him on board for sure. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, so uh, so next piece of news we've got. Um, we ha- Last week there was another Masters tournament. I think it ha- it finished after we had recorded last week, so we don't have the results. And it would we didn't have the results, and it would have been fitting to have them last week because it was also won again. by This one was won by Fire Ice. Um, I'm not sure who the winner was, but I know his list was very, very similar to the one that had won previous. Uh, it's kind of similar. Um, there's, there's some differences. He's running Galdus and two Caspel in his list. Yep. The backup VV is also there. I don't remember if that was there or not. Yeah, it, yeah, it was in the other list. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, like Sephiroth. Uh, there's a lease in there too. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's nothing that we haven't like seen. Like no, yeah. nothing that's really gonna surprise anyone, except maybe the Galdus. Um, yeah, and, the Galdus and uh, Two Castle might yeah. be the biggest difference. I'm surprised there's no Phoenix in this one because he's running Galdus and uh, some other mm-hmm. stuff. But he's running the bigger Celis too, um, mm-hmm. and then the the Opus Seven Red Mage, the one that makes you discard if you pay ice. So yep. Yep, I saw that. So, yeah, I mean, he wanted, I don't know how many people were at this tournament, but, you know, Fire Ice is still in a really, really good spot. And it's, you know, there's it just shows that just the way this game is, you can have, you know, play the similar core, but sometimes your tech choices will make all the difference in the world. Yeah, it was eight rounds of Swiss, so I'm assuming it was probably up there as far as numbers ago, like maybe like 60 oh, or absolutely. something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I know the top eight kind of had your usual suspects as well. I believe there was some Earth, uh, some Earth Wind. I believe there was some Mono Water in there. Uh, wind water, I think, was also wind water. Yeah, yeah, but I think was I believe there was a mono wind list in there as well. Uh, it might have been it might have been mono wind and not wind water. I'm not 100. percent But you know, more more of the same archetypes you're seeing right now, and you know, and that'll kind of play into what we're going to talk about later. Um, so you know, congratulations to him again. I'm not sure if it was who won, but we've posted the link to those results on our Facebook page. So go ahead and take a look if you want to see those lists and kind of just check out, you know, what's happening over in Japan. Um, next big crop of news, man. We have got LQs for days. It is there was a lot of them this weekend. Um, I know some of our people actually went um, up to the one that was in, I believe it was in New Jersey yeah. this weekend. There was one of them in New Jersey, at least on the East Coast. And I know there were some like all across the country because everybody was, you know, posting about it. But we've had some, uh, we had some big names win a few of these things. Um, I know Okimoto won the one that they went to yesterday in what, San Diego, I think is where they went. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on the location, but yeah, somewhere in California. So Yeah, I know Oki won that one. I know Aaron Wiseman won one i believe they were in um they weren't in kansas they were in yeah somewhere out in the midwest yeah Yeah, he won out in the midwest uh you had nick chanel win the one that i was getting ready to talk about in um new jersey um and we had a couple people up there john was up there playing uh colin coughlin actually finished second on this one and um um what's who else uh steven arboleta bubbled i I think he i think he went x3 he didn't bubble he went uh x3 and i think he dropped yeah, John bubbled. John was like finished like tenth or something. Yeah, his, like, if you look at the tiebreakers on that, 
they're so close. They're yep. just so, so close. But yeah, so I mean, as obviously as some of these results went in, and John, not one to be bested, is that all he actually went with uh, Dan, uh, Dan, I believe Alex today to, up to Connecticut for another one. Yep. So they are they are on that grind. Um, so yeah, I mean, LQs are in full effect. The Nats, uh, U.S. Nationals picture is really starting to shape up here. Um, Adam, which ones do we have coming up? I believe we have one down at Game Theory. Is that this weekend coming up or next uh, weekend? Yeah. Next weekend's Memorial Day weekend, so it should be next weekend, yeah. Next Sunday. Okay. Gotcha. Perfect. Yeah, and then is I it believe it's uh pretty sure the game theory one is on Sunday. And the oh. um the one at Jersey's I believe is the following Saturday. Yes. Yeah. Man. So they're they're coming in hot and heavy and um it, it they're gonna be tough. Like they're gonna be tough. There's so many people around here that are hungry and they wanna win. And so it's you know, and this is now keep in mind this is only wave one. So I'm sure we'll get some chances. I know some places have been announced for wave two or some people are, from what I understand, are getting the green light that, hey, you're in the next wave. So, you know, we'll, as these stores pop up, we'll definitely see, you know, who what stores are involved in and what areas so people can know where they can go to, you know, try to qualify for Nats. You know, another big thing that ha- happened, um, you know, since we're talking about tournaments, you know, at the Water Crystal Cup, I know that there was a um, there was an incident that took place. Um, don't want to beat this horse into the ground. It's been talked about about um, an illegal play involving Fordola. You know, I'm I, I'm we I've watched it. I've seen it. We all we've all seen it. I'm not one to put my opinion out on anything. Just I, I, I like to remain neutral and things like this. But it got it caught the attention of Kagiyama. Now, Adam, talk about that for a second. We do say we do highly recommend everybody read. Yeah, I mean, he made a post officially on the site, which I I applaud, and I hope we see more of from just in general, not even just based on like um, yeah, good, these kind good, of matter indifferent. Yeah, like I'd like to see kind of like hey, like this stuff's happening. We're aware of it, kind of like a kind of like a letter from the producer kind of thing. If you're into like other games like Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, yeah, like a State of the Union kind of action. Yeah, so it was kind of nice to the, to see stuff being acknowledged. Um, you know, and then there's I don't want to cre- create like a witch hunt or anything like that. Like like you said, everybody's seen what it was, and if you haven't, I mean, it's yeah. pretty readily available if you really want to see it. And you can read Kageyama's uh, thing from it. I would say just like as a community, we could just kind of keep moving and know that things are getting paid attention to, and that's great. Um, yep. You know and. Hope to see more stuff from Kageyama like that in the future, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, it kind of to coincide with that, you know, we're, you know, we people are keeping their eyes on things and people are made aware of these things happening in tournament play. Again, good, better, and different. But now we have our first crop of North American, like, official judges, which is always nice. So hopefully as that list increases, we'll be able to have more people involved just to, just to, just to kind of be the eyes and ears over the course of the tables because i i don't think i don't think people are being well let me me rephrase that i like to think that people aren't being malicious when they make these mistakes what we're going to call them mistakes and because you know it's easy to armchair quarterback right like sometimes like you're thinking of three different plays at once and you just kind of jumble everything together and it's like oh crap you know because at the same time, too, your opponent's got to be thinking, well, based on what they've got, they could possibly do this and do that. And then they're looking almost at the exact same line so they don't catch it. Right. So, 
you know, I, I think having extra eyes and people that are kind of in these positions will really, really help clean up a lot of that as time goes on. But, you know, I, I guess I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, Adam, you, you have anything you want to add to that as well? Uh, not really. Just got, you know, congrats to the people that passed the judge test. I heard it was uh, pretty hard from what I've heard. Uh, I'm going to definitely be taking it. I plan to pass it. Um, yep. Hopefully either if I still manage to make to Kansas City there or Richmond. So, yeah, one of the two. No, absolutely, absolutely. But um, you know that's good. That'll be really good because um, you know I think we we need more of that. It's good. It's good to have them kind of spread out like in each region too. Like yeah, you know, I'm not gonna take it. Um, I've kind of I've seen the, I've seen some of the questions or at least at some point they were on the test. But you know, that's not me. Um, uh, that's all you, Adam. You you be our you be our local judge. Uh, you know we're gonna give you the judge dread shoulder pads and everything. And- <laughs> I kind of already am, to be honest. But uh, exactly. but yeah, like I, I wouldn't yeah. mind just becoming like an official judge. And you know, if uh, I start following that kind of thing, I don't mind judging. Like I, I like the game, so I wouldn't mind judging it either. So exactly, exactly. It's kind of I kind of like taking a a different, I guess a different role in the scene, if that makes any sense. But yeah, you know, with that being said, you know, we got a couple of events coming up. Um, I want to say not this weekend, but next weekend, we've got the uh, the Ice Crystal Cup in Toronto, which they apparently just, uh, I've heard they've moved to a different location and they've increased the cap because I know it's sold out at what, 64? Yeah, which is great. I mean, you don't want to drop off from, you know, the Crystal Cup had 120 people and they go to 64 exactly. the following week. That just doesn't feel good. Um, so I'm glad yeah, that they expanded. Yet. Yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. It does suck if people, you know, had made their travel accommodations to be, you know, close to the arena. Now it's moved a little bit. But at the same time, too, it does give more people the opportunity to play, which is kind of nice. So, you know, good luck to everybody going to Toronto, and we'll see how that goes. And then, like you said, I know you kind of briefly touched on it, Kansas City's at the end of June. So these events are coming, man, and we've got LQ sprinkled all in between. So, yeah, so next piece of news we're going to move on to is um, it just wrapped up over in Milan, and that's the Wind Crystal Cup that was won once again by the new Mr. Two-Time, Joshua Freeman Birch. Uh, big congratulations to him. Uh, he was on Wind Water, and his opponent was Andrea DeLuca, I believe was his name. And uh, he was on... Yeah. Uh, water Ice. On, oh, Ice Water, yep. yep. Uh, the finals was really, really fast. But um, I know with uh, Joshua Freeman Birch already being qualified for Worlds, I believe that spot passes down to uh, Andrea DeLuca. So I believe he is on the Worlds team as well, if I'm thinking about that correctly. Yeah, yeah, it should pass down to him for sure. Gotcha. But uh, overall, it was a good tournament. Um, I enjoyed the stream. Um, Let's see. If if I could critique anything, obviously the amount of downtime was still pretty staggering. But, you know, I don't know what, what every store has to work with. So it's, you know, it, it, again, it's going back to being an armchair quarterback. It's, you know, you, you want to see more things pop up, but at the same time, it's tough when, you know, maybe you're given limited workspace, limited things to work with. So you, you kind of have to work with the tools that you have in your belt, if that makes it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But overall, it was, you know, I thought it was a good event. Uh, one of the best things I saw, and then we can touch about this briefly, uh, one of the last slides they showed right before the final started was this breakdown of the archetypes and what decks were present and what percentage of element were there 
boy, howdy, do we need more stuff like that. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So, I mean, I'll, I can run down it really quick. I don't know everything that was played in the top eight, but like I said, we know that uh, Windwater won the event and that Water Ice was in grand finals. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe there was also a mono win in top eight that J- JFB had to go through. And I can't remember the other decks, but those are the ones I know for sure. But yeah, so there was uh, 16 mono waters, um, 15 earth winds, and 13 earth wind fire decks. I consider that the same thing because the fire is literally just three cards. Yeah. Um, 10 mono wind, 12 water wind, 8 earth ice, 6 water ice, 8 fire ice, 7 water fire, 5 mono lightning, 4 mono earth, and 4 fire earth, and then 6 other decks that they haven't that i guess like either were only played as one of or maybe some weird archetype so right like some kind of like multicolor jam jones or gold bez could fall under that category as well yeah i, I believe it you know pr- i think they said there was a mono fire in there so that probably falls on the other as well i think it's just like yes. decks that were played as like a one like only one person piloted them kind of thing yeah um absolutely this isn't surprising to me um mm-hmm. like all these archetypes are things that I think you should probably be ready for if you're going to a big a big event. So, yep. I mean, yeah, like none none of these none of these archetypes really stand out to me and are, are like, whoa, that's a crazy archetype, you know? Yeah, yeah, everything is pretty much as advertised. And when you start looking at a lot of these deck lists, I can imagine maybe outside of one or two cards you're probably going to see a lot of the list being exactly the same. And when I say one or two cards, I'm ta- I'm not talking about maybe a tech choice here or there, but I'm talking about like three copies of Cloud of Darkness versus two or three copies of Veritas versus two, or I'm running three Cecils or I'm running two Cecils and an Asmo, you know, like like something like that. Like you're, you're not really seeing much much deviation from like the core lists if that makes sense yeah i I do think one thing cool thing about final fantasy is like um you do see people that prefer certain cards or certain numbers on certain cards and that can change the deck slightly i mean the archetype still functions the same right like if you're playing mono water whether you have three veritas or two veritas you probably have the same game plan it's just whether or not you prefer that third copy or you think that third copy is needed um, it was kind of like, you know, back when Facilia was a big deal. Uh, some people ran two, mm-hmm. some people ran three. Um, and yeah, you get into that. And then kind of like when that devolves, I, I'd say you'd probably end up with like about a 10 card difference in most lists. Somewhere around there. Maybe 10, 10's like the high end. No, for sure. For sure. Um, but overall, just from what I saw, you know, I watched most of day one. I watched, um, you know, it started pretty early for us. Like I want to say the stream started around like 2.33 a.m. our time. So I woke up in time to see uh, the second or like catch the tail end of the second round of the uh, of the draft rounds, which I think it's still really good. Um, it's, you're definitely still seeing the better drafters come out on top again. Um, you know, like I'm looking at some of the pools that people had and like and when you're looking when you're seeing them play these cards, you're like, wow, either they opened that and had a really good pack or somebody passed that to them. And I. I do legitimately think you know, this is a hot tip. Maybe it's not a hot take. Maybe it is. I still think there are a lot of people in this game that just don't know how to draft well enough to get through that set of rounds. 
Like you could be an amazing constructed player and know how the cards work, but it could be just the little things in draft or playing cards that otherwise, you know, you haven't touched, you haven't practiced, you're not familiar with that they're keeping you from, you know, because going, you know, going one, you could, you could have been undefeated and constructed day one, but if you go one and three in draft, you're done. Yeah, I know uh, Sasha, I believe he got top eight. I think he went one and three. He actually did make top eight, but he was undefeated day one. And then went one and three and ended up being like the seven. Yeah. So like you, you it, it's hard. Like it, it, it's, it's a very different skill set and a very different mindset. You know, thankfully a player like Sasha, who is a, I believe he was on the world's team last year. I think he did qualify last year. I, yeah, yeah so, I, I think mean, he did. Got, so, yeah. So he's a world's quality player. So he definitely understands how these cards work. But like, again, you know, it's a different skill set. I'm not saying that he's not as good of a drafter as he is a constructed player because clearly he's good enough to get on top. But you clearly see that a lot of that was due to his constructed record. Like if he'd have lost one game, there's a good chance he could have been out on that one three draft. Yep. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I urge everybody, especially now, um, Toronto is the last North American Crystal Cup to not have draft. So yeah. if you're not doing it now, practice up. You know, because Richmond and Kansas City are both Opus Eight draft. So I, I just get your buy a box with you know, have your play group go in on a box, draft them, do what you have to do. But I highly recommend it. If you don't do it a lot, you should probably start doing it now. But overall, great event. Um, it was really nice to see you again. You know, big shout outs and congratulations to JFB. Um, it seems like Fina was definitely the MVP of his deck choice today or this weekend. Yeah, I'd probably still get. I mean, Fina's pretty gross too, but I'd probably still give it to Valfor. Valfor is what okay. makes that deck function. Like, I would not function, but like, it's what it's the reason people run the deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a it, you know when you're when you're set up and you know which you always will be with that deck. You know, Valfor net, Valfor nets you what three CP at least. Yeah. I mean, it's going to net you at least three. So, really good deck. Um, really dumb cards. You know, can't wait to see what you know what's next uh, in the next event. You know, and just kind of see you know, how the meta is going to shape up around these last few events. But, you know, the last piece of news, and we're going to kind of use this one to segue into our main topic. When, uh, I want to say the other day, we had some spoilers. Um, and we'll lead with those. Uh, for Opus 9. So before we, you know, get too deep into that, um, let's go over these spoilers that they showed. It was three of them. Yeah, so there was a stream that Kageyama did, um, mm-hmm. and he showed a few Opus 9 spoilers. So the first one I have is actually probably, like, the most interesting to me, mm-hmm. um, and that's Quistus. She's a 4CP Ice forward 7K Category 8 EX Burst. Um, mm-hmm. When she I enters the... Fact, there was actually four of them then. I'm sorry. Yeah, when she enters the field... Uh, reveal the top five cards of your deck. Add a category eight forward among them. Put them in your hand. Uh, the job seed candidate forwards you control gain a thousand power. And then she has an S. And I think her S is what's the most interesting thing. And I feel like if you're able to set this up, it could be really gross. So uh, it's a level question mark death. It's an S ice and tap. Or S ice dole. Reveal the top card of your deck. Break all forwards your opponent controls with the same cost as the revealed card. Add the revealed card to your hand. That's pretty gross. So, like, yeah, I mean, like just... A card like Yule immediately comes. Yeah, Yule. Um, well, so I think you want to set this up even more than Yule, because Yule, you know, you can look and you can, 
you know, within break, but you have to kind of hope that whatever's on the top is the cost that you need. But with things like Ephemeral Summoner or, you know, stuff like that, you can literally just be like, oh, okay, I'll put this four-cost summon on top. Oh, okay, I'll put this three-cost summon on top. And then not only are you going to get to break everything of that cost, you get to also draw the card. So, yeah. um, I, I think if, like, combos like this become popular, or, you know, good, like, consistently good, I think you could do a lot with this. I'm kind of interested to play with it. I don't know if it's going to be consistent enough, but I feel like there's a ton of upside. So yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, um, and it, it's a it's a decent enough card, right? Um, you know, obviously, if you're looking to get the most value out of the category eight stuff, you know, maybe you're playing it in like Ice Fire or something. But to I, I think that S really opens up a lot of ways to use her. I agree with that a hundred. Yeah, and I mean, the category, or Final Fantasy VIII is going to be, I think, a main title for this set, so we should get quite a few things, so I'm interested to see, like, what else we get. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. So the next one, um, Adam, what's next on your list? So the next one I got is uh, Heretical Knight Garland, so we have a version of this card that costs seven, but this one costs five. Uh, it's from Mobius, he's a job knight, uh, 8K. Uh, if a forward your opponent controls was put from the field to the break zone, the cost required to play uh, Heretical Knight Garland is reduced by 3, so he becomes a 2 CP. And then his ability is for 2 earth and 4 colorless until end of turn whenever he attacks. Uh, or, excuse me, he gains this. So he gains a, his own like auto ability. Whenever he attacks, deals 6,000 damage to all forwards opponent controls. Uh, cards not terrible. Um, I think if you if you have the the resources to dump into it, could be really really good because you can. Uh, from what I understand, you can create multiple instances of that. So you can, for the low low cost of what twelve CP. Yeah, twelve and at least four. Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean if if it's worth twelve CP, I mean sometimes you might have to do it, but he also has to make it to combat too. So it's gonna feel really bad if like you pay twelve and then they play Diabolos. Um, yeah, that was cute, but oops. yeah. So yeah, you gotta be careful about that. I think on the discount though, he could be really, really good. So like maybe yeah. you you offer up a trade or you know you're you're able to maybe you Veritas and then you just spend two on this guy. You spent eight to get two eight Ks and kill something that yeah. that might be okay. Um, mm. His job is pretty relevant. Sadly, he's in Earth, so you're not really seeing... Well, I guess you could run, like, the old, like, Prince deck, right? He fits in there, yeah. maybe. Um, his And then his title, again, is another main title for this. So you're going to see a lot of Mobius cards, so... Yeah, uh, and that's actually one of the ones we're going to talk about, too. Yeah, so Mia is the um, is one of the Lightning Legendaries. Also, the first full art that we've seen that's pullable from the set. Uh, you can see her full yeah. art version as well. Um, mm -hmm. So she's at 3CP7K... Uh, lightning forward jo uh, category mobius job witch which is relevant to like a day of backup cypher forward um stuff like that so she's tutorable she's able to be played off of a backup that we already have uh and then she has at the beginning of your attack phase select one of the following three actions if you have received five points of damage or more select two of the three uh choose a forward it gains a thousand power in first strike choose a forward dull it choose one category mobius forward other than mia it gains haste until end of turn I think the card's solid. Um, I think it does a lot. Um, again, I like I like the fact that we're getting more of these damage threshold cards, which, which really makes the late game extremely scary for a lot of decks these days. Um, so games just aren't as easy to run away with anymore. Um, 
but no, I think the card's really solid. And the fact that it already has on color like synergy with Cypher and the Adea backup, I think that's huge. Um, and you know, it's good in conjunction with a lot of these other Mobius cards that are popping up. You know, Wool. Um, technically, you could start looking at a card like Duncan. Um, Aroha, I believe, is she Mobius. is Cloud of Darkness. Cloud of Darkness. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of other cards that, you know, maybe if you're just thinking outside the box a little bit, you could really, you know, because, you know, sometimes giving, you know, giving what gives a Mobius character hate, Mobius forward haste. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a potential, maybe you play, you, you a day of this in, play Cloud of Darkness, reduce something by six. Let's assume six. Let's assume you have another forward. Yeah. Give Cloud of Darkness haste and then reduce by three. If she gets the swing, assuming she gets the swing. Yeah. Or even great with something like Duncan. Have Duncan in play. Play Duncan. Bring this into play. Give Duncan haste. You can Duncan special somebody right there on that turn. Um, obviously, you know, we're kind of just, you know, again, thinking outside the box here. But they're, you know, being able, even giving wall haste could be good if you have them both out. Or any other Mobius character that we haven't seen yet. So I, I think there's a lot going on here. I think it's a really good card. Yeah, I think the third ability is probably going to be the least used. Kind of like wall sure. like 3k to a dole. Exactly. Uh, like it has uses, but I don't think you necessarily need to build to it. And if it comes mm-hmm. up, great. Um, I think the other two modes are probably going to be used more often than anything. Like giving a Lua plus a thousand in first strike seems really good. Mm-hmm. Um, dulling something to get something out of the way seems seems good too. Uh, she only does get to choose one unless you're at five. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm. I'm kind of medium on her. I'm not sure. She's definitely solid. Uh, I just. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. If some new archetype's going to come out that makes her really good, like maybe you're playing Cypher and Cloud of Darkness in those cards, or if mm-hmm. you're just going to try to figure out a way to slaughter into Mono Lightning. I don't know. Right. Well, maybe she's a card, you know, maybe she's not great right now, but she's definitely one that as future sets come out, more Mobius cards get printed. She's one of those ones you're going to always go back to as you're flipping through, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if we look at Wool as like a case, like Wool doesn't see as much play anymore. He still sees mm-hmm. play. Like, he's still good. It's just not what he was. Uh, he, he's he's yeah. like maybe a one of now in, in most Earth decks, if that. Yeah, no, for sure. But we'll see. Um, you know, there's still a lot left to go on the set. Now, I know one thing you mentioned is that she her, she's full art pullable. Yep. Does this mean that we're gonna have you know? Because I've heard there's more than one. Yeah, there's, there's twelve. Twelve. Now, do you is, do you think this is all the legendaries having a full art version? I I, I don't know how they're gonna distribute it. Um, and then they've all also confirmed that they have foil versions too, so they're going to be kind of rare. Yeah, because there are twelve legendaries in a set. Well, no, you have more. You have fourteen, right? Light and dark. No, there should be well one light, one dark. Yep, and then, and then two of each to the element. Yeah, and you have six, right? No, there's uh, there should only be five elements, right? Water, okay. wind, earth, fire, ice, lightning. Yeah, you're right. There is six. Yeah, yeah. I, I always forget. I had to go back through Captain Planet there, but uh. <laughs> lightning uh takes the place of heart there yes. yeah so that's but even still like uh, this is this is kind of cool yeah it's pretty sweet and it's just I, the thing i like about it is it's like it's purely cosmetic so like again it's like a promo right like you don't need it yeah but it, it'll sell people are gonna want them especially if the cards are good so absolutely and that's just another great way to sell like more sealed product right because you know these are i don't know if there's going to be like a frequency on these things kind of like oh, a perfect knows? example is i know in the um in like the, the last magic set the japanese uh war of the spark 
they had alternate art versions of a lot of the planeswalkers that came at a different frequency so maybe this will be a reason to buy more sealed product because they're less frequent in your boxes yeah i'm interested to see the rarity on them um so yeah. once i crack boxes i'll probably start looking to see how many you get per box if it's even one per box who knows but again because yeah. it's cosmetic like i don't care like i do i want them sure i'll take them if i pull them but like you know i don't need yeah. to them to play so yeah i'm glad we're not getting into like secret rare territory or anything like that like it's a card that already exists in the, like the box toppers right yep. it's a card that already exists in the set so if you don't get one you're like eh, i've still got the card in it go ahead and show the last one i believe this is a it's a fire backup yeah it's a philosier it's a final fantasy tax advance to two cp fire, standard unit fire backup uh when it enters mm -hmm. the field you may pay one fire uh when you do so choose one for a deal of five thousand damage uh, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Where, I don't know. I mean, again, this, I, I think it's possibly a good limited card, but again, I don't know where you're going to be putting this. I think it's just another extremely meh fire backup. I think it's a very average limited card because you have to spend like the extra one. That means you have to be already in fire and you have to already pay this down. But like, it's a backup that that's a standard unit. So you can still play it in limited and be fine. Cause it's still going to tap for CP. Um, in standard, I think I think it's not a struggle to find any plays. Like I I don't know if I would run this over VV. The only positive that it has over VV is that it's a standard unit, but you mm -hmm. lose the burst and you have to pay an extra fire for it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not no, not absolutely. a fan. Yeah. So I I mean, but it it the job could be relevant. Um, maybe for like a title deck that could be popping up at some point. You know, I'd like to see more tactics. This is tactics advance one or two. Two. Too. well i mean again that's a title deck that could be uh in the making at some point so we'll see yeah maybe but as, even in title this, this seems really underwhelming there's gotta be there's, there's, a, there's a lot a lot of chaff typically when it comes to a lot of these just kind of random backups that don't really do much but we again you know again we'll see it's super super early there's a lot more spoilers to come i mean opus nine though we're looking at what J mid july is when that set comes out yeah, uh, I think it's actually like late July. It's somewhere in there. Yeah, I think mid July might be like the pre-release. Yeah, because for some reason in my head, I'm thinking the pre-release is like a week or two after the Crystal Cup. Right. And then I, this week after that is usually when the set drop. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that still puts you at the end of July. Because if we're the first weekend in yeah. July, two weeks after the pre-release, and then one week after that, so it's like third or fourth week of July, somewhere around there. Yeah, the math checks out. But that was that was one half of the stream that he did. Um, the second half of it talks about some upcoming things with Opus 9 and Opus 10. Um, we're going to skip the Opus 9 part, but I know one of the things he mentioned was the possibility of a, a new keyword that, that didn't exist in chapters and dual element cards. Yep. Adam, what do you think of that? Uh, the keyword's intriguing. I'm kind of curious to see what it is. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really sure. I mean, I guess you got some stuff from Magic that maybe you can look at, but looking at chapters probably isn't going to do you much good, considering they've already said that it's not going to come from there. Absolutely. I, I can't really um, think of a keyword in Magic that I really, really want to see in Final Fantasy. Uh, but there's a lot to choose from. Yeah, I, I know for me, and I talked about it on the uh, the Cactar correspondence. I'd love to see something like Jumpstart or Rebound. Just being able to get like a second cast out of something. Um, obviously, you'd have to with the way this game plays, you'd have to be extremely careful of what text you put on that card. Yeah. But 
being able to have something that you could, you know, cast multiple times at the cost of removing it from the game on the second go around. I think that could open up some really neat, um, some really neat ideas and some ways to play it. Like especially when you're looking at cards like Seymour and Yuna, you cast stuff off the top of your deck. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not saying that this is necessarily a bad thing, but Ice's identity kind of now is like all, kind of all in on this card. I mean, it does sure like dulling and freezing is is annoying too when they do that a lot. But I think like the really good Ice decks are really heavy in on I'm gonna run you out of resources kind of thing. And if you put Jumpstart in, you got to be careful. That's all. I guess that's all I'm saying. Like, because jump, Jumpstart will be really good against that. Because you don't, you don't really care if you discard it, especially if it's a Jumpstart card that, like, draws you a card or something like that. Because that could get you, like, right back into the game where they kind of had you where they wanted you. I mean, people don't like Sephiroth, so it might, that might be a good thing in the long run. I'm not sure. Um, and discarding is probably the most, like, feels-bad mechanic, no doubt. I, I would just be worried about putting that keyword in and invalidating something that an element that, that's not winning everything mm-hmm. has, and that's, like, a big deal for them. Oh no, for sure. And even that's why I said you got to be careful. And even something like um like there was a keyword a while back called landfall. Every time you played a land for the turn, this kind of blanket ability took place. Maybe something like that when you play a backup, give your forwards whatever or draw a card something. You know what I mean? Like something like that. I, I think there is a lot they can do with it because mm-hmm. there's and who knows they could make up their own keyword and do something really nutty with. It. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. Like I, I have no idea what they're gonna do, so I'm interested to see like what it is. Oh yeah, I'm in. I, I'm definitely in, 100. Yeah. percent Um, but then the the other thing, the, this is the big one, right? They talked about potential banning. Adam, talk to me. What? How do you feel about this? Uh, I think most people jump, then they're just they're gonna say like nothing's broken right now, and I and I think that's true. I think we're in a really good place right now. I think. If you, like, look at just what I read off, right, like, all the decks there, and I'm pretty sure in top eight there wasn't a lot of repeat stuff. And that's been kind of the case across all the the places that, like, you know, Japan, EU, NA, that play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, by that respect, yes, the game is healthy. But if, if we're in a place where rotation's never going to happen, and that's kind of what's been stated, then in order to, like, kind of make the game feel fresh and kind of shake the meta up, you have to ban things. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to just give people no reason to just not play them. So Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. And I'm I'm glad you said it that way, because when people hear the word ban, they immediately go to like a negative place. Like, oh, why are they going to take away these cards? Why are they, you know, why are they doing this? But, you know, you hit the nail right on the head. It is about keeping the game from getting stale, especially, like you said, they, they've mentioned that they're, they don't plan on a rotation. So ha- removing a card here and a card there might just be the answer that some people are looking for. Um, so with that being said, um, I'm curious to see what they do because I know, you know, again, they pay attention to this stuff. And with that being said, I know, Adam, you and I are kind of talking about what cards do we think could would really shake things up, really ruffle the feathers a little bit, you know, really, really toss a, ba- a bottle across his brow. <laughs> what do we, uh, what cards do we think if they, if they were to, you know, rattle off effective going into Opus nine, these are the cards that are banned. Well, you know, just, we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of 
rattle one off and talk about it and kind of go back and forth a little bit. So, Adam, you start. So, if I had to bet money on the card that I think is going to get banned, mm-hmm. I would probably say Heroic Zidane. And the reason I say that mm-hmm. is, um, so, I don't think they're going to try to ban some legendaries. I, I feel like they're going to try to avoid it. Uh, just because I feel like they don't want to drop the costs of like certain sets or kind of devalue things. And, I mean, sure, banning a Heroic can do that as well. And there are some Heroics, like Zidane, whose price has kind of gotten a little out of control. Like, seeing a Heroic around, like, $14 is kind of... It's pretty high for this game. Um, and I think Zidane's, like, right near there now. I think he's somewhere around, like, 10 to 12 So, mm-hmm. uh, but the big problem, I think, with the card is when you start playing... And not even at a high level, but... You know, at, a, at when you are playing a high level or even like at a competitive event, and you see this thing hit the board like turn two, the mm-hmm. fact that he's able to steal a backup is really insane. Like because he can essentially steal your next turn, and when you when you lose a turn in this game, it hurts really bad. And so really at that point, you're relying to draw something to save you from that situation. Uh, so like if if you play a two CP and today and the other player plays today and sees that you only had a three CP backup and you have no other viable backup to play and that was your plan to curve out and he steals that from you, that sets you back multiple turns. Um, yep. and then yeah, sometimes later in the game or mid game he's gonna just steal the forward that you wanted to play or maybe like he'll steal the Sephiroth that you planned on playing the next turn or the Veritas and then they'll drop their own Veritas you know things like that. Uh, I think he just, and, and also he's really intrusive, right? Like he looks at your hand too, and he gets a lot of information just by looking at those three to five cards generally that he's going to get to look at. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I'm going to agree. You know, kind of pick up where you left off there. Um, I agree with you. I think, and I think the problem is, you know, we always call him Thought Seizedane. Um, I'm okay with them looking at your hand. I think that's fine. But the fact that there's zero restriction on what like, if he said, you know, a character or a non-backup car, you know, something like there, there needs to there there needs to be a limit on what he can take. Because again, like you said, you know, at, at least in Magic, when you have a card like Thoughtseize, they can't steal your land, so you at least get to make your land drop. Now, the creature you might have been wanting to play or the spell you wanted to play might be gone. But at least you're not kind of like locked out on resources. Where on this game, when like you said, he can take your curve back up. You, I feel like you're set back at least two turns because now you've got to not not you, you're you're essentially going potentially overpaying for something at this point. You know, making an a, a extremely suboptimal play where now you've got this forward that now gets to start doing damage to you, applying pressure. And God forbid, you know, and this happened to me on Tuesday, where. I went turn one Edgar. Uh, Edgar, you know what's coming next. I, I, you know, I've got a snap keep hand. He, he. I was on the draw. He plays Zidane, takes my banana Sid, plays me own, brings Zidane back to his hand, replays the Zidane, and then steals my next. So I was three turns behind before I could even do anything. Else. I had, I had only been able to make one play that turn before I was, I had essentially lost. So. I think that card's extremely powerful. Extremely. Yeah, yeah and then, the, you know, you run into the issue, too. Like, you compare it to Thoughtseize, but Thoughtseize doesn't have a creature attached to it. And, Correct. And creatures... And yeah, and creatures in Final Fantasy, like, you don't care about their size. Like, yeah, he's a 3K, but he still does 1 dan- 1K damage. And then sometimes he gets the buff, and he becomes mm-hmm. an actual relevant forward, which is absurd. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it's... 
there's just a lot wrong with the card, but I think, yeah, the most, the, the dumbest thing is the fact that he's able to take a backup and really stall your opponent out. Um, yeah. yeah so. so I would definitely say that's, that's probably, you know, public enemy number one. If we had to kind of take a look at cards, they could potentially ban. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't really hurt a lot of the market. That's why I say Zidane. Cause like he's a heroic, he's not a legend. Sure, you'll lose some price on your foils, like if you don't sell them now, because his foil is probably around like eighteen bucks or something right now. Um, and and now that I think green is kind of a big culprit in general when it comes to just like seeing the same, the same cards over and over again, and that's just because their cards are good. So, yep. And then if we had to move on to the next one that I think could uh, you know that, that could definitely be banned and not really hurt anything too terribly much um we kind of mentioned it before when we were talking about zidane uh that's the opus for viking the one that draws you two cards essentially and as we were talking about it we we said you know we were like oh you could replace it with another viking but for some reason in this game the difference between drawing or discarding one and two cards is just astronomical it's just it's a night and day difference so I think now the only problem with, you know, when you look at a card like the Opus 4 Viking is it makes Layla a lot less playable. Granted, she still has two viable targets, especially if you're playing some sort of go wide. But at the same time, too, you can replace it with Porn. Now, there's again, it's these levels of what the cards do. You know, drawing a card is meh. Looking at three and drawing one is better than that, but still not nearly as good as drawing um, and I, I think a card like Viking just creates just a lot of these, again, going back to kind of how we talked about before, if you had cards with jumpstart, you know, being able to get all these extra cards, whereas that, again, kind of stops Ice's game plan right there on the spot as well. So I think this is one that they could toy around with getting rid of. Um, and I think the archetypes that it's in don't suffer too terribly. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's probably a fair one to bring up. It's a, it's a common um no one's gonna really lose any sleep over a common the foils will definitely decrease because i think like foil vikings are somewhere in the absurd range of like 15 to 18 dollars right now for that foil oh, for sure. um i think that's also compounded with the fact that not a lot of people are buying opus four so you know but people want to foil out their decks but like yeah it's it just does a lot and it makes layla pretty unfair like because, again, it goes back to the fact that, like, it doesn't matter the size of your forward. You're still going to take the same amount of damage. So, unless you're Archangel or something, right? Like, some kind of unique effect. Like, But, like, um, playing Layla Viking early, like, say you have, like, a not-so-great hand. And so you're just like, okay, Layla Viking, hopefully I get a backup. I can play a backup. And then even if you don't get to play a backup off that, if your opponent doesn't have an answer over the next two to three turns, they're probably dead. Mm-hmm. Um... And, I mean, some decks are going to be able to answer that a lot easier, like we saw today with Wind Water. He does play Valifor, and then they just, like, die. Um, and then, yeah, let's, it, like, promotes these other cards to, like, Cloud of Darkness to just become better. And you can still play Cloud of Darkness if you play the other Viking. You're just going to get one less card. Uh, so if you still want to go that route with Layla, you can. It's just a lot more fair as opposed to, like, playing these two bodies playing seven cp worth of bodies getting one probably two cards you know the next turn or two is a lot and so i think forcing people to play the opus one vikings probably a bit better than mm -hmm. what we have now and you'll probably see like layla will definitely be hurt from it but 
I, I feel like the game, I don't know. You, you could argue that those decks aren't winning a lot right now, other than, like, Mono Water. Like, the, I mean, Ice Water, that's the first time we've seen that in the finals in a while. It is still really strong. Um, mm -hmm. And that deck would probably get hurt the most from that change. But, uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, like, if they did it. All right, now, Adam, what's another one you, you would, uh, if you were to look at removing it from the game at this point, what's another one you would think of? Uh, before I pull a legendary, I guess, I'll, I'll stick to, like, rares and commons and heroics. Uh, so I, I think Ray Yuna probably needs to go. Um, mm -hmm. I think it really hampers water summons in the future. You can't really print things that are that great at certain costs without them worried about being discounted by one and becoming unfair. Um... Mm -hmm. uh, it would force these wind water decks to play a big like the five CP Yuna, which not a bad card, but it's a lot more than spending two to get access to your Valifor. Um, and that's where things really start to get out of control and unfair is when you start seeing these Valifor decks. And I think YRP as an engine would still be pretty solid if you were required to play the five CP, you know, and then you'd probably mm -hmm. see Chaos Walkers come back into the the mix there along with the Valifors and the the Diaboluses, but it's it's really because she costs two, I think. And you're just seeing these decks, they run like ten water cards to be able to play her. Not even, really. It's somewhere around there. And, uh, and yeah, I just think because she's hindering things being printed in the future, I would probably be fine if she went. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And another thing, too, right, and this can kind of be said about everything that we've talked about here, by removing these cards, it opens up them to be able to print other versions of them. Like, there's no, they can now print, like, if we, they say they get rid of the 2CP unit that you're talking about, they can print another 2CP unit that does something different, or a 3CP that does something different. Make it, make it playable, but don't let it be overshadowed by this one card that will always see play. And it is, it is, I don't want to say it's like the cornerstone of that deck, but boy, howdy, does it make a big difference and it, it does create a lot of these you know kind of unfair instances where you know a bismarck costing one a famfrit costing two leviathans cost two even though they're not really seeing much play right now you know and again there's a reason you know we talked about this in our top fives there's a reason that no other element got this kind of thing because it was a little bit unfair to begin with. and i think by remo by getting this out of here it does open up some deck construction a little bit more and that's really the whole purpose behind this right yeah it's it's not i'm not saying these cards are like so broken they need to go now or the game's ruined forever it's more just like you'll see Let's more things up. see play by getting rid of these cards and archetypes will have to slightly change you'll still you can still run mono water without running yuna and it's still fine you can still play Wind Water without playing 2CP in it, and it's still fine. It's just not quite as stupid. Yeah, it's so. just not as near as unbeatable and as and impressive as it was, right? Yeah. All right, so my next card, um, it, it's, it's so weird. You know, maybe like three months ago, I would have I been more in on this one, but because it, it's not seeing as much play, or it's still, it, the deck is still winning, but it's not really because of him anymore. And just for the sake that I don't think you can have the conversation without it, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and say Dottaloo. Um, again, like I said, not nearly as prevalent as it used to be, but 
the fact that it's still kind of a knuckle dragger combo where you're just like, all right, here's Dottaluma and two Cactuars. You can't really play anything unless you've got like a Minwoo or an Aerith out, you know. But, you know, it's still it's still a card that I think people still look at. And sometimes it does still just lock your opponent out of the game. Um, and the thing is, even if you get rid of Dottaluma, Cactuar is still a very playable card. Like, you're not making that card unplayable, because you, especially in that same deck, because you still have access to Noctis, which it plays very well with that, which is honestly more the most more times than not when I've seen somebody playing Wind Earth, you know, the Dottaluma is not around long enough to really take advantage of that, but boy howdy, does Noctis really get to shine with all of those Cactuar, you know, breaks and things like that. Uh, it still plays very well with Diabolos. It still plays very well with um, with Barbaricia. So, you know, again, Donaluma's a card that while he's not as prevalent as he used to be, he is still just kind of this card that can still just essentially lock your opponent out of ever playing forwards. Um, but I don't think getting rid of him neuters that archetype in any way. Adam, what do you think? So uh, I'll slightly disagree with you here. I think Cactuar is the card that needs to go. Mm-hmm. Um. For kind of the similar stuff that you said. So Cactuar is what makes Dottaluma unfair. Like, if, you, mm-hmm. if you've if you played Dottaluma in Mono Earth, I mean, you know, I know you oh, have. Of it doesn't feel the same there, right? Like at that point, he's just like, I'm going to trade up or be kind of annoying to deal with or be really good against Lightning and Fire. That's kind of yeah, like he what he does. Yeah. And I think there, he's not that bad. Uh, sure, you mm-hmm. can play things like Pelinor, and you can still use, like, Semi, which is a card I'll talk mm-hmm. about in a second. Um... To, to, to ping through to do stuff, but the fact that, like, Cactuar is a monster that just doesn't cost you anything to dole once it's there. Um, mm-hmm. Once you have two out, it's kind of lights out, unless they have a lot, like, a pretty good amount of monster hate, and then even then you have Galdas's and Urianjays to bring them back. Uh, and then, the what it does with Noctis, to me, is really stupid. Sure, you can do that mm-hmm. with Cecil, but that costs a lot more. Like, you're paying five, and then you're using, like, two Cecils from your hand, that's essentially nine CP. As opposed to like, it's a little more. Yeah, as opposed to like a cactuar that's been sitting there for God knows how many turns, and then you're just like Noctis, pay three, you know, break, do do all this dumb stuff. Now your board's dead. Um, mm-hmm. so to me, I would ban cactuar before I ban Dottaluma. Uh, just because I think if you get rid of cactuar, he becomes a lot more fair. Um, and mm-hmm. he still can do kind of, he can still do cool stuff. But at that point, he's just really good against certain elements, and then it all—I think it forces that deck to evolve more than if you just banned Dottaluma. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's an absolute fair assessment because I do think Cactuar is one that could also go on that list as well for sure. Yeah. Um, because again, that's kind of what we're looking at here. We're looking for decks to kind of evolve a little bit. We're looking we're looking for enough of a shakeup that's just gonna without like completely like neutering the archetype and still uh, just allow you to you know just create just different instances um another card that i think i mean you know it's like i want to say it but i don't want to say it because i i think i think it's a card that is extremely powerful and i think what's unfortunate is is this one might end up hindering more archetypes than it's intended um, and I'm talking about Yuri. I, I think that like that's a hard one, right? Like now, and when I, I the reason I bring up Yuri is that if you start taking out some of these other powerful cards, 
does that just give other cards more of a green light to just kind of take over? Uh, and that's yeah. really where you have to toe the line, right? Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, because no matter what you do, th other things are going to crop up, and those things might be just as good as the things that you just got rid of. And I think that's kind of a risk you have have to take at some point in order to shake the game up. Because mm. otherwise, like, why would you not? Why would they even travel down those roads, right? Exactly. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to ban Yuri yet. Yuri's obviously unfair, and he's probably just as unfair as some of the cards that we're stating now. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if he. I don't know if he's been around the block long enough. I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And I, I think for me, I don't think any of the cards that I'm going to talk about. Let me mm -hmm. let me make sure I'm not wrong before I say this. Are past Opus Five. Yeah. Okay. So like Opus Five is probably my cutoff for things mm -hmm. that are gonna get banned, and I think that just forces you to play newer stuff. Cause like I mean, obviously there are gonna be cards that we're just not gonna be able to make relevant. Like you're not you're. I don't see a world where we're gonna be playing Opus One Jacked. You know. Yeah. No, yeah. No, so, never. but you know the newer stuff, I think it'll be easier to make you know room for them, and I think you do that by banning the older, more powerful cards. I don't know. That's just kind of the way that I see it. And I don't. So, while I agree that Yuri is dumb, really stupid, like can do really stupid things. And honestly, I I kind of like what he does to mono decks. Like I, other than wind, obviously he's really unfair there. But like you know, when you play him in mono fire and other decks, he actually feels really good. He feels like he's doing something there that he shouldn't be able to do, which is what he feels like in other decks as well. It's just kind of like heightened by wind because of what else they can do. Um, exactly. Yeah. So. For me, for for me, for him, it's too early. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying he's not stupidly cheap, but yeah, like that. That's a card that I wouldn't. If they decided to do it, I don't think I'd be upset. But at the same time, I I I agree with you. It might be a little. That's that's why I was very unsure about that one. But I I could I could see it because of what it does. But at the same time, too. It, it you start taking away like a lot of the text on Chalinka's card at that point. You start taking away a lot of text on other cards. Yeah. Um, now, if they were to not ban him and maybe restrict his number, I could I could see that. Yeah, and maybe that's you know something they mean? do. Yeah, maybe that they, I don't know if he really strictly talked about that, but maybe that's an option for some things too. Because some things would be a lot better in a restricted sense, right? Yep. So. No, I agree with that a hundred percent. So, Adam, what's your next one? Uh, so I kind of alluded to this earlier. So my next one's Semi Lafina. Um, mm -hmm. I know it sounds like maybe we're hammering Earth Wind too hard, but it's a deck that's been around for what, four, almost four sets at this point, and it and they just add like one or two cards every set, and they just like go about their business. Um, mm -hmm. so I think that some people are gonna point out that Sybil should be banned, maybe, but I think Semi making her cost two and being searchable or cost three. And being searchable by Simi, or Sybil, sorry, uh, is what makes Sybil really stupid. And also the fact that uh, Simi can use her ping ability to ping Dotaluma. You have that kind of thing going on there too. Um, I just, I think the card would be fine if it went away. You would still have your Final Fantasy XI engine if you wanted to play it, albeit less good. You're forced to pay full price for Simi, where she actually is kind of fair. And you still have that burst and the a cool effect to be able to play off color six cp and lower off of her it just doesn't feel as stupid because you're actually spending five and not three mm. so no 
No, it definitely makes sense. Um, it it lets a, a already good card be just a little bit too good. You know, half of what keeps Simi balanced. Uh, sorry, how, how, see where I'm doing it too. Half of what keeps Star Sybil balanced is her cost, and the fact that you can just remove that downside just by playing a two CP backup. It 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 feels just a little too good. Yeah, I mean, go so I, I I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, like if you if you play Mono Earth and put Sybil in there, and tell me how it feels because I've done it before, and it's not remotely the same. Like it's just not. Um, and but you know when you get to Cracker to pip, to play your six CP, that feels pretty solid. Or if you play oh, yeah. her to search the Shantoto that you needed to turn the game around, that feels good. Um, so sometimes she she feels really really good at five CP. But she always is stupid at three. Like, there's just never a situation where she's not stupid at three CP. Um, yep, it, it does too much at three. Yeah. So I think even if Earthwind continues to play the card um, at five, which they probably will, it's just not qu- clearly as dumb. And then it makes room to play other wind backups and other two CP Earth backups that you're not seeing right now instead of three semis or two semis. So. Nope, I agree with that 100%. Um, my next one is um, one. It, it's one that used to come up in conversations all the, and maybe it's time, but I don't know. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, let let's really ruffle some feathers and uh, let's send Cognazzo pack. Yeah, yeah, we went, we're going we're going there because the other reason too is with a, a printing of a card like Nickel, um, really kind of lessens the card's value. I mean, a lot of lists are only running two. But a lot of times, you know, it, it ends up being just kind of like a finisher in the deck. But sometimes the game's already over before Cognazzo hits the board. He just kind of puts the exclamation mark on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mono water lists are still extremely playable if Cognazzo gets the axe. Because you've still got, again, you've got Nickel. Uh, you've got the Leviathan that just came out in this set. You uh, you still have got Cloud of Darkness. There are still so many ways to reduce. And a lot of times, you're, you've been able to control how wide their forwards go because of cards like Famfrit. Uh, you know, if you're running any bounce effects, obviously you've got um, Veritas to really keep them from going wide. So so what Cognazzo was doing initially, just by, you know, by just kind of punishing that go-wide strategy that you just couldn't, or water already is keeping that from happening and Cognazzo is just there to finish off those last couple forwards where Nickel can now just kind of do that by himself. So, Adam, what do you think about Cognazzo? Yeah, I, um, I, didn't, I hadn't really thought about it, to be honest, but, you, you know, it's a good point. I, I, I think, for me, again, I don't think he's, like, broken or anything, and I don't think any of these cards have to be banned, but um, I think Cognazzo's had his time. And yep. I wouldn't be mad if that was a card they decided to send packing. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how I'm looking at it too, right? Like he he's had he's had his time to shine. Let's you know, and you have, especially with the printing of a card like Nickel, you've kind of created that same thing. Um, now, obviously, it doesn't have that same kind of like blocker, where like this infinite blocker kind of thing. If you've got Minwoo out, but like at the same time, I, I think it's time to let him go. Yeah, I, I I think he's a fair one to call out for sure. I mean, he's been around since Opus Three at this point, and if you're running Mono Water, you're not you're not playing him without like a couple copies of Cognazzo. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be mad about mm-hmm. it. The only thing that really thinks that they're not gonna makes me think that they're not gonna do it is that they just printed a promo of him. Um, yeah, 
also very but true. but I wouldn't be mad about it. Like I, even though I have my promo and the value of it would go down, I mm-hmm. w- I wouldn't be mad if they banned him. Yeah, because also too before we go to the uh, your next card, when you have bannings like this or you know like format changes, it opens up for like another format of the game where they could give it a clever Final Fantasy game name and make it the equivalent of like Legacy and Magic, right? Where Guess what? Guess who's back? Uh, Gesper, Thaumaturge, all these cards we've just banned. You know, you can still play them in this format and make that like a good side event format or even maybe have an event where it's all back. You know what I mean? Whatever. But that, that's what stuff like this also opened. Yeah, dude, make it the World of Ruin format. I just named it for you. There it is. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> make check payable to Adam Lane. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Cool. Adam, your next card. Yeah, this is probably the last yeah. card that I want to talk about. Uh, so this is the only legend on my list. Um, mm-hmm. And th- that's actually, I, uh, I should rephrase that. There's obviously more things that I could put on the list, but this is the last thing I have for this cast. And that's uh, Yastola, uh the Opus 5 legend. Mm-hmm. The only reason, and I know people are going to be upset if this card gets banned because people have spent hundreds of dollars on their promos and you know their foils are like 40 bucks. So this is probably the card that would like affect the market the most if it were to get banned. This or Diabolos, if, if that's something that someone wants to bring up. Um, yeah. My issue with her over cards like Diabolos, which are both, they're both clearly pretty unfair cards, is just what she does to the board state. Like, mm-hmm. Wind is already doing this thing where it's like, okay, Fina for nine, right? Let's say you have five cards. You're like, Fina for nine, untap everything, deal 5k, play Bart's for free, then Vada, then something. Like, you just went from no board to like two 9Ks and 8K, and then whatever you decide to play after that, probably Ishtola, right? And now, like, you're looking at these board wipes in your hand, and they're all useless. Um, and Ishtola did that. Like, sure, Wind did this cool thing where they spent no CP, or they only spent three or four, but the fact that they, like, put the exclamation point on it with Ishtola just made it almost impossible to answer. You know, like, unless you have a certain combination of cards and you're ready to spend, like, 10 to 12 CP... Uh, you're probably just dead. Or they just got put to 6 or 5, and you thought you had them, and then they did that, and now you're dead. So, and and the thing is, like, you could probably come back from those situations because now your opponent's overextended into the support state, but they really didn't because they had Yastola. Um, and because it doesn't work like magic, where when you play a creature, it's put onto the stack, and you get to respond, uh, you can't do that with Yastola. So, like... You can't, like, Phoenix before she comes into the board, you know? You would have had to have, like, guessed that the Yastola was coming and Phoenix the Vada before Yastola got played, you know, with the Vada's yep. trigger on the stack or something like that. But, like, why would you do that unless you know they're going to play? Like, unless you know they have Yastola and you feel like you have to do it, like, why would you do that? Um, yep. And then, yeah, she just shuts down these bigger summons. And, sure, the bigger summons are the, the more unfair ones, like Diabolus, like, like Phoenix. Even Raiden back in its day was really good for f- closing out games. Um, she makes some of them just flat out unplayable because you know you're going to run to the card and you know you're not going to really be able to cast it unless you have something else to cast as well. Uh, if you're playing anything like semi-greedy when it comes to summons and autos, like, she can just thwart your entire game plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. She does, like, it's a lot and she just, like, just can really no warp. Downside. Yeah, she can really just warp the board state. The second she hits. And I've talked about all those things, and that's just her first ability. So not only does she do all that stuff, 
she also is like just almost impossible to deal with for two are for for one entire element and then mm -hmm. for two elements she's pretty hard to deal with like lightning struggles with her but at least they have like odin you know fire has yeah. nothing for that you know yep. so yeah well well fire has one thing uh, i mean they've got they've got drill technically yeah, they've got fucking drill <laughs> yeah i mean technically fire could play like zodiac or something but then she's just gonna cancel that and then exactly you know exactly yeah, no, actually, Yostola was the last one I was going to talk about, too. And um, going back to kind of what I alluded to before, um, I think Yostola is a prime candidate for, like, restricting numbers. Yeah, if she was a one-of, it, it wouldn't be nearly as bad. And obviously, like, Earth Wind could still abuse that because of all the recursion they have. But at least then, yep. if you're running those kind of cards to stop recursion, you only got to use it one time. Like, if I White Mage one Yostola, it's out of here. That's a wrap. You know? Yep. So... Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, and you know, you, you hit the nail on the head on all those points. Um, it does just kind of warp the way the game gets played after she hits the after she hits the table. Um, and the fact that, you know, you can have a full playset of her and just, you know, you can be a little more liberal with the things you want to cancel. And she's just so sticky. That's the thing. The fact that she does have that built-in evasion as well is just what makes her really, really tough to deal with. So, but no. Yeah, but all of these are, <coughs> pardon me, all of these are like good candidates to just kind of shake up the way the game is played. Because at the end of the day, if nothing changes, things can get stale. I'm not saying they will, but like, look at, again, go back and look. I urge everybody, like, look at all the last major events we've had this season, last season. The It's a tale of the tape. Like, you're seeing literally the same archetypes dominating the top spots. And it's been that way for, like you said, what, four sets now, Adam? I would say Opus 5 started the floodgates, you know, kind of like yeah. when people started figuring out, like... And then, you know, every time a set kind of tacked on. And some sets did add brand new archetypes, but I'd say, like, Opus 5 is when you really saw the power level increase. Mm -hmm. um, so... Because yeah, even right now, like, there's no really... The only, like, new archetype that's kind of shown up was the Fire, Water, Final Fantasy nine deck, which... It, uh, yeah which is still fine but like can it really can it still like consistently beat like the big boys yeah i think i think consistency is the problem is the issue with that statement and i would say no like i don't think it can consistently beat the big boys but it can like have these hands where the big boys just die before they're able to do anything and you mm -hmm. know and some people see that and they're like that's fine my issue is it's like I've seen Earthwind enough now. I've seen the same mono water decks enough. I've seen the same wind water decks enough. I would like to see those archetypes get shaken up to some yeah. to some point. Like, I would like to see Earthwind. I mean, yeah, you, like you saw the guy that went undefeated in Swiss. Was running three Ardens. I don't know if he even had Diabolus. This was back in the NA Water Cup. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he had uh like Cactuars or Diabol or Cactuars and Dot Illumins in his deck. I don't think he did. Um. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when people see that, they're playing around those things that they expect. And then Arda just slams down and he kills people with it. Um, yeah. And then and then he got kind of an early exit from top 32. I'd like to see more Earthwind decks like that than, mm -hmm. than what we're seeing now. Where it's just like, I'm going to play Semi. I'm going to play Star Sybil. I'm going to get Cam. Mm -hmm. You know, like that kind of thing. So Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think it'll it'll keep the game fresh. It'll keep it fresher longer. It, it is it is the double teeth Ziploc bag, man. It, I I, I want to I just want to see things get shaken up a little bit. And 
clearly it's going to happen. I just can't wait to see what it is that they're going to do. So, you know, it does suck if you spent money on some of these high dollar cards and they end up are being the ones on the chopping block. It does suck. It does. But that's just but that's just kind of the the risk you take when you enter into this uh, hobby. Where... Yeah, I mean, let me. I just want to cut in one like really quick on what you just said. Yeah. I have a foil playset of Yastola, right? Mm-hmm. I would be okay if she got banned. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, she's gotten her. Like, I've gotten my value out of her from mm-hmm. a playing standpoint. Now, I understand if you have a playset of like the Chinese promos, you're probably going to be pissed, right? Because you know you probably spent three hundred dollars on that. Um, but I'm, I'm t- like, I have, what, like, I don't know. That's probably a nine. That's probably like a hundred dollar bill. Those three Yastolas, foil. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I wouldn't be mad about it. I mean, sure they would drop. And if she got like maybe if she got limited value, right? Like you were saying, maybe that doesn't hurt her too much. It's, she she would still see a drop. But I mean, but yeah, not as drastic. I I think for for collectors they'd probably be more pissed. But for the people that are like compet- like highly competitive players, I don't think they'd be as pissed about losing a little bit of value of cards that they've been playing for at this point two year a year and a half right so but but also too, keep this in mind if they start doing this with opus nine what's not to say in opus 10 like a new list comes out where it's like oh hey these cards are now out these cards are back in like every set that comes out every season they create like this ban list you know what if this is the beginning of something like that where it becomes like this almost like a rotation right well hey guess what it's opus 11 uh, lock from Opus 4, Celis from Opus 4. All these cards are now banned. Mm-hmm. And then when Opus 11 comes, hey, guess what? These cards are back. Now these cards are gone. You know, I, it I, could be the, yeah. something I, like that. I don't you know, know like, if I want to see it that often. But, but yeah, I get what you mean. It could be cool to see things sh- shaken up and then put back in. Right. And that way, it, it, it kind of answers that second question of, hey, guess what? You know, Yastola's not playable this season. You know, maybe two sets from now, they're like, hey, Remember all those you stole as you had? You better, but hope you held on to them because they're back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's a lot to it. You know, maybe we're just kind of looking at it one dimensionally. But I, I think really what we're both trying to say here is we think it's healthy for the. Yep. And I, I think it need we need to see we need to see these shakeups happen. If we 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 all love this game and we want to continue to play it, and I think by changing the way decks are the way these consistent archetypes are showing up you know we're we're not saying you know get rid of all the powerful cards clearly because i mean the cards we mentioned while they are powerful they're not like we didn't mention your noctuses your cecils your Sephiroths, you know your locks your phoenixes your diabolos so we mentioned diabolos but i'm just saying like there's still plenty of powerful cards to play with now you just have to think outside the box a little bit more and try to solve everything that makes sense yeah I, I just want to yeah. see like decks get shaken up. That's really what my goal was in the ones that I said. Was, yeah. was to shake up these decks that haven't changed, but like maybe a card or two each set for like the last two to three sets. Yeah, and it's time. Like it's 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 just it is what it is. It's time. And you know, for everybody listening, you know, when we put this up on YouTube, SoundCloud, sound off in the comments. Let us know if there's any cards you'd like to see get. Uh, banned or restricted. You know, I don't know if they, I don't know if restricted's been something they've thrown around, but I think a restricted number could be helpful in a lot of situations. But uh, you know, let us know what you think. Uh, otherwise, Adam, any parting thoughts this week? No, I think I've said enough this week. 
Yeah, man, it's, it's, this has been a good topic. I know we, you know, we've been talking about it like all week long with, you know, with, uh, like our group chats and stuff. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what other people think. And, uh, you know, obviously I expect more spoilers to pop up, you know, throughout the next coming week. So we'll be on top of that. Um, and be on the lookout for some, uh, articles from our man, John Schreiner, newest member of the returners. Um, but yeah, other than that, I got nothing. So I guess I will sign off on that note. Yeah. Till next time, friends. See you later. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening once again to the RVA Returners podcast. If you like this content and you want to hear more, check us out on YouTube at RVA Returners. And make sure you follow us on SoundCloud and check us out on Google Play and iTunes.